You know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. This project cannot have happened without the support of companies who believe in the mission and the message. One such company is Videoblox, a subscription-based stock media company that gives you unlimited access to premium stock footage everyone can afford. Sign up for a free 7-day trial at videoblox.com RFS. I also want to give huge props to Song Freedom. Not only do they sponsor our regular episodes, but Song Freedom has come aboard as a supporter of the Breaking the Glass podcast and film series. When you need legal music for your video productions, including mainstream tunes and oldies but goodies, head on over to songfreedom.com radio to unlock a free standard gold level license worth $30. I'm also excited to announce that next week, the first video installment of the series will finally go live. If you've enjoyed the conversations we've had on the podcast, you'll equally love the discussion topics we addressed on the panel. It's sort of like a Hollywood Reporter roundtable, but without the table, less formality, and a little more verve. Go to our website and subscribe to our email list to be notified of when it drops. Lastly, this week's bonus segment after the credits is a rather personal, heartfelt, and in some ways, bittersweet commentary you won't want to miss. So stick around. Okay, now on with the show. Take one, take ten, marker. My wife and I recently celebrated our 14th wedding anniversary. Yes, yes, thank you, thank you. I know it's quite an achievement. And as you might undoubtedly guess, those dozen plus years have had their fair share of arguments and disagreements. I mean, it's inevitable, right? Especially when you have two creatives as spouses. As a side note, if you want to hear one of the funniest personal stories I've told on the show, go check out the SOS Atlantis episode from season one. It's about episode number three into the show. And tell us the story of how my wife and I got into one of our biggest arguments over a drop shadow. Anyway, I think it's safe to say that a good third of the disagreements and arguments we've had have been due to a lack of communication or poor communication. It's like when you're speaking to someone and you know for a fact that you are both speaking the same language, but at the same time, you're not. There's a great Star Trek The Next Generation episode that illustrates my point brilliantly. If you ever need a good movie or television scene to illustrate a point, you never need to look any further than Star Trek. Everything you need to learn about life, love, friendship, politics, whatever, you can learn from the annals of the Starship's Enterprise and their ongoing missions. Now, the episode that I'm referring to is from Season 5, Episode 2, entitled Darmok. Season 5 is one of the best in TNG's seven-year run. This particular episode starts with a standard TNG setup, with a ship en route to meet an advanced race who have been sending a signal to Federation space as a sort of invitation to meet an uninhabited system. We learn that the Federation has encountered this race before, but not without difficulties. Federation vessels have encountered Tamarian ships seven times over the past 100 years. Each meeting went without incident. However, formal relations were not established because communication was not possible. Why? The children of Tama were called incomprehensible by Captain Silvestri of the Shikamaru. Other accounts were comparable. A cause for concern. For all we know, they could be threatening our border. That's right. You tell him, Worf. Leave it to the black man to keep his guard up. Start from there. 
Agreed. I appreciate your prudence, Mr. Wolf. Starfleet believes that the Tamarians have extended a hand. We must do the same. Ah, the ever-hopeful and positive Jean-Luc Picard. Always believing the best. But you just know the fit is about to hit the Shan, despite his good intentions. Bry and Jerry and Lunga. Counselor. I sense nothing but good intentions from them, Captain. Mr. Data, the Tamarian seems to be stating the proper names of individuals and locations. Yes, but what does it all mean? For the first time, we as an audience understand the communication issue. We hear the words coming out of the aliens' mouths, and it sounds like English, but it's practically gibberish. Universal translators be damned. You know, sometimes I can't help but think communication between men and women is not unlike this exchange between the Federation and the Temerians. We're both speaking English, but neither side is getting what the other is really saying and the lack of understanding leads to tension and conflict. Block their transport of the shields. Extend to maximum range. Not enough time. Where is he? The Tamarians have transported Captain Picard to the planet's surface along with their own captain. Regular to O'Brien! It will not be possible to transport, sir. I'm Ron Dawson, and this is Radio Film School's miniseries, Breaking the Glass. Stories about gender, race, and making it in the biz. Darmok and Villard at Tanagra. In my 14 years of marriage, I have come to understand many of the subtle nuances that are often the building blocks and foundation of female communication. But I'm also self-aware enough to realize that there are things that I as a man may never pick up or even comprehend because I haven't walked in the shoes of a woman. Well, unless you count that time I dressed as Whoopi Goldberg's character from Sister Act for Halloween, but that's a story for another time. Believe it or not, that also involves Star Trek. As I mentioned a few episodes back, because I know that as a man I might not always be the best person to address this issue, I made it a point to enlist the help of women to help me produce segments for the series. We already have some great interviews in the can. You heard part of one of them in the last Breaking the Glass episode. It was with post-production coordinator Christina Kramer, a good friend and business partner with Breaking the Glass co-producer and writer film school show regular Yolanda Cochran. Yolanda enticed Christina to come on the show and have a conversation with her about this whole gender inequality topic. It was such a great conversation. But before I give into my typical man qualities and begin to take over this discussion, let me have Yolanda give you the 411 and introduce Christina herself. Take it away, yo. Thanks, Ron. Hi, my name is Yolanda T. Cochran, and my journey into the film and entertainment business was initially pretty happenstance. It started about 20 years ago, or actually a little over 20 years ago, while I was attending USC, and I happened to be getting my degree in accounting, not film. But a chance meeting with a few theater arts and film students swept me into the biz, and in all those intervening years since, I've gained a ton of experience, and currently I'm a producer and production consultant. Most recently, I'm focusing more on the creative side of things in addition to what had been my primary focus in physical production. 
If you've been listening to the Breaking the Glass series, you may have gathered from Ron and from me that the series itself is pretty happenstance as well. One comment leads to another, and then another, and then suddenly you're on a podcast odyssey. It's been a great journey so far, and one that's actually had a greater impact on me personally than I ever originally contemplated, but more on that later. So what is this series all about anyway? It's essentially twofold. Ron and I set out to highlight issues of gender and race in the entertainment industry and attempt to highlight proposed solutions to those challenges. In today's episode, I want to explore some factors that undercut women in the workplace. What are they? Well, sometimes they're of our own doing. Why, oh why on earth do we women so often begin a communication undercutting ourselves with our own language, with apologies and caveats? But beyond those self-inflicted wounds, and more prominently, I think, there's compelling evidence pointing to systemic issues at play, in addition to these ingrained biases creating barriers for women. I had the pleasure to moderate today's discussion, and I'm joined by a good friend, colleague, and business partner, Christina Kramer. Christina and I worked together years ago at Alcon Entertainment, where I was heading up physical production, and she was our post-production coordinator. I was inspired to have her join me after she shared with me her initial reaction to hearing the podcast that started this whole thing, Radio Film School's now infamous episode, Think Like a Man. So essentially what kind of sparked this idea with Ron and I to have you join was something that's that's kind of come clear a little bit. Um, in this series and in part of the discussion about gender issues in the entertainment biz and frankly in any industry is the issue of communication. And I had mentioned to JD and Ron at one point, and I think it's featured a snippet of it is featured in one of the episodes when I introduced the think like a man recording to you and to Allison, you, well, both of you, but I think more so you in particular expressed what I characterized as frustration at listening to it in that, and you can, you can say this in your own words, but my takeaway from it was that you felt like some of my points were not being quite understood. When I was saying they need to act, think like men, or they need to act like men, it, obviously I don't mean you need to go around like scratching yourself and saying crude jokes and acting the way men No, do. and I and, know, but, right. but also by saying it, that's, that's devaluing and saying acting, behaving like women is basically not going to let you, that's going to mean you're not going to be as successful. I, <laughs> so, well, but, I, 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 this may be provocative again, but that's the world we live in. I mean, the men who are getting ahead. I understand that, but that, does that mean that the world we live in is right and that we shouldn't be striving to make changes about that? Because here's another thing. But I, here's no, a but, stat I've but heard as like, well. It's like here's the reason why we had a firm. Ron has to go. Okay, Ron, here's, think about wait, it, and then, no, and then here, you could take it. Let me just make this last, it's last a new point. Podcast. <laughs> so I guess I want to start off our discussion today about asking you about that like what were your impressions when you listened to that episode and can you kind of tell me directly because I think it was a text conversation about what your impressions were about 
the interplay of that episode and the communication between myself and JD and Ron and the points that were being made. I think it just really boils down to this overall theme of unless you are in another person's shoes, if you act, unless you, you can't fully experience um, what is being seen through those, that person's eyes. And there's an amount of empathy that I appreciate from JD and from Ron, like trying to understand the struggle that, that uh, we experience with inequality and gender. But it's just, it, there's not, there's missing that, that really clicking, not, not quite getting it. And, and it's frustrating, but I don't know how you, how you fix that. And so I'm trying to remember specifically what really sparked it in me that made me upset. Uh, not upset, but it was like, ugh. Right. The point is not coming across. Yeah. And I mean, while you're kind of thinking about it and I want to avoid leading the witness (laughs) during our conversation, but I think during, from my recollection of the conversation and being in that discussion, you know, kind of the back and forth and Ron and I have continued to talk about it. The, the entire point of like thinking, acting like men. And I think, one of the key points, one of the key sticking points for me was women and women, women have pointed this out. And what is what led him to make some of the conclusions that he did is that there is a certain, um, communication style with women or a disposition that women take when in a group setting, Mm -hmm leaders or not of that group where they might hedge the things they say or the way in which they present ideas has some kind of deference in it. Like women put themselves in a light of being, um, trying to be, I think trying to be polite to not step on anyone's toes to try and to empathize with everyone that's in the room. And if you, you know, if the male kind of style or what they've been conditioned to do in a scenario like that is be aggressive, then we just inherently take a step back and end up maybe our voices don't get heard or get stepped on. And I don't even think that for certain men, they're aware that they're doing it because it's just the way that they speak. And so it's kind of like we have to, women need to recognize that maybe that, that is how that man has been conditioned to speak. And so I have to be more aggressive in this situation, um, to be heard. But then the other side is that the men need to recognize that a woman's voice is just as important and they need to be listening and reacting in a way that supports them speaking up. So it's kind of both sides, just being aware that there's this difference. Yeah. And I think too, like, you know, just even having described it to you and knowing this by way of example of observation over the years working is that I think a lot of times 
women will also undercut themselves in the way that they present. Like, you know, the example that one woman gave in an earlier episode where she said, you know, I think I kind of want to say this, or this might be a good idea, or I don't know if this is the right time to bring this up. Yeah. I mean, I start conversations that way all the time and, and try to be aware of it where I say, I preface it with, you know, you can disregard this, uh, this is just my opinion, but yes, um, yes, I I have been making a conscious effort lately. I would say even in the last year to really pay attention to the things that come out of my mouth and the things that I write. And I'm constantly finding myself, you know, making those caveats to start. And instead of just being, instead of just saying, this is what I think, and this is what I mean, and I want you to listen to it right now. <laughs> you know what I'm well, saying? So it's like there's an, there's a self-awareness that women have to have, but like if another woman or man, for that matter, were to approach something in that way, the way I would hear it is more of like, oh, they are trying to be uh, mindful of that this is part of a discussion, that they're not trying to trump out other people's ideas, um, that it's more so to just give a feeling of safeness, that it's not an aggressive conversation. So I wouldn't hear that as someone being weak. I would just actually hear that as someone being mindful of other people's opinions, and I appreciate that. But again, I have to know whose ears are hearing that. And I actually, I I mean, the thing is, the diff- one of the difficult things about the discussion is there is goodness in that diversity. There's right. goodness yeah, yeah. in having, you know, two different kinds of voices in a discussion. Um, and that goes to, you know, culture, religion, race, gender, all of it. So I welcome having a group that in anything that I'm doing, having a group that has those diverse voices and perspectives because the end result is generally going to be better. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. The only challenge is historically you have voices who are unfairly affected by not allowing, not doing the things that you just talked about, which is, right, right. you know, recognizing those differences and understanding how to what I think needs to happen, validate those perspectives and those voices. Right. And the only way that you can, in in my mind, really do that is you have to, if it's through, like, this is, I think, I don't know if this is that, this specific podcast or one of the more recent ones, but talking about there being initiatives to get more women into the workplace and is that fair or not and I think that that's absolutely something that just has to happen right now because until you have other women again talking about seeing it through those eyes that are in higher positions and who are hiring it's going to be difficult to not be predispositioned to to understand uh, the way in which a woman works and communicates and, and, and champion that and support that in the workplace. In the Star Trek TNG episode, Darmok, we come to learn that the Temerian race put both Captain Picard and their own captain into a perilous, 
life and death conflict where they needed to work together in order to survive. It was in the middle of that conflict when Picard's eyes were opened and he was finally able to understand the Temerian's communication. Albeit not before the Temerian captain died from mortal wounds suffered during the conflict, but nonetheless a real connection was made. Hail the Temerian vessel. Aye, Captain. Tamak, the river Tamak, in winter. Damak, and Jalad, at Tanagra. Damak, and Jalad, on the ocean. So Karth, his eyes open. Whether it was intended or not, this episode is a beautiful metaphor for life. Poor communication between two parties will often lead to conflict. But, as exemplified in this science fiction story, that conflict can also be the key to both sides establishing a profound mutual understanding and respect for one another. But for that to happen, both sides need to acknowledge the other's differences and have a willingness to engage each other in discussions with openness. Did you see what I did there? Engage each other? Huh? Huh? See, engage, that's how Picard used to tell the helmsman to go to warps. Never mind. Christina summed it up well when she said this. And so I think it is important to, as a woman, be conscious of the words that are coming out of our mouths. But it's also important for men to understand that perspective as well. If I, if I understand that men do not speak that way, so I may need to adjust the way that I'm speaking a little bit. I don't know that that is fair. It might be what I have to do a little bit, but they should be also working just as hard to accept the way in which I communicate. You know, it kind of, I think we have to both be willing to listen to the way that we just communicate differently. It's just, it's the way that it is. And I think we're all going to be stronger if we are trying to meet each other in the middle and not say like, you know, you have to stop, you have to speak like a man, you have to be more like a, a woman's, you know, like we have to kind of meet each other in the middle. Tamarian was willing to risk all of us just for the hope of communication, connection. Now the door is open between our peoples. That commitment meant more to him than his own life. Thank you, Namor. The door is open between men and women to improve communication and foster a better connection. Whether you're a man or a woman, may you have the strength and the willingness to walk through it. Next time on Breaking the Glass, we continue with Yolanda and Christina's conversation as they discuss possible real solutions. But in the midst of that discussion, Christina shares a story that will equally upset you and perhaps even scare you. Uh, one of the large studios they were working for required all of more of the upper level management of the uh, post team to come into the studio and to do a seminar. And this was actually specifically about sexual harassment, which you would think would have reception that everyone would understand and, you know, be on board with. But their perspective afterwards from it, and I'm paraphrasing, but this is basically what they said, was, 
what I got from the sexual harassment seminar was I shouldn't hire women. Yeah, you heard that right. That story and more in two weeks on the next episode of Breaking the Glass. Also, remember to stick around after the credits. There's a heartfelt message you really need to hear. Breaking the Glass is a Radio Film School miniseries and a production of Dare Dreamer FM. This episode was produced by Yolanda Cochran and me. Additional production help from Chris Huslidge and J.D. Cochran. Music for this episode was curated from freemusicarchive.org. Links to tracks are in the show notes. And speaking of music... Song Freedom has a huge library of songs from every genre, and they're your best source to listen to music from mainstream artists like the Lumineers, American Authors, One Republic, and Kobe Calais, or classic tunes from the likes of Frank Sinatra, The Temptations, Bob Dylan, and more. Go to songfreedom.com radio and sign up for a new account, and you'll get a free standard license worth $30. That's songfreedom.com radio. We thank Song Freedom again for their support. Breaking the Glass is also supported by Videoblocks, a subscription service to license premium HD and 4K stock footage. When you go to videoblocks.com RFS, you can sign up for a free 7-day trial that will allow you to download up to 140 clips from their main library. If you like what you see, use that same link and you can get their year plan for as little as $99. Their normal rate is $79 a month. You'll get unlimited downloads from their library of over 115,000 clips. You'll also get access to their marketplace of over 1 million user-generated stock clips at rates as low as $20 to $30 cheaper than other popular stock sites. I'm sure many of you have seen Videoblox promos that are like all over the place. But you would really help our show out if you would go to our support link. Now, we don't get any more money if you use that link. But if they see lots of people using it, it justifies their investment in this show. So remember, that's videobox.com slash RFS. Another great way you can support the show is by leaving a rating and review in iTunes. Let us know what you think. Your comments will help get this message out because they help the show be found by new people and keeps our ratings up. I would love to have a communication with you on the interwebs. You can hit me up with tweets at daredreamerfm, and you can follow the show at Radio Film School. If you want to hit up Yolanda and give her a shout out on the Twitter sphere, her Twitter handle is Rat in a Wheel with underscores between each word. It's really a funky Twitter handle, so just go to the blog post for this episode if you want to make it easy. And if you like this episode, share it on Twitter or email it to a friend. You can catch regular episodes of the show every other Tuesday. This week is a full, uncut interview with six-time Vimeo staff pick winner, Adam Westbrook. I wasted so many years with that kind of lie of, I will start making my own stuff just as soon as I earn enough money, just as soon as I've got enough time. All I need to do is, you know, um, get a few more gigs and then I'll have the time or the money to do this. And the lie is, of course, that, you know, the right amount of time, or the right time, or the right amount of money, or the right whatever, whatever, just never arrives. You just have to get on with it and and do it anyway. You can get that on iTunes now, along with all the rest of the Radio Film School episodes and miniseries. Yeah.
you could see every little detail of life in a new way. I'd like to leave you with a quote from author Rachel Wolchin. You can ask why all you want, but it doesn't mean a damn thing if you're not listening to the answer. Thank you for listening. See you again in two weeks. Two weeks? Two weeks? You sound like a parakeet there. Two weeks? Two weeks? <laughs> well, two weeks? It's amazing. So Arvan's eyes are open to astonishment by being living totally here now. Hey folks, real quick, before we get to today's bonus segment, I want to send a quick shout out and thanks to Whipster. Quickly and easily share videos with clients and collaborators in a sleek design and intuitive interface that allows you to make frame accurate comments and annotations. If you're an Adobe Premiere Pro user, you can share right from within Whipster and download commented videos back into Premiere. And it's the only video collaboration tool that integrates directly with Vimeo, allowing you to go from Whipster to Vimeo and back again. Just go to whipster.io to learn more. On the weekend before this episode was edited, Yolanda emailed me that she wanted to share something with the audience that has been heavy on her heart. It is actually quite a surprise. When you hear what she has to say, you'll understand what I mean. In some ways, what she's about to say could undermine everything she and I have worked for on this podcast miniseries. But as she'll allude to later, it's a real and authentic sentiment And this show has always been about being real and vulnerable. We've had both me and a number of guests open up about very personal stories related to their lives as professional creatives. But enough of my babbling. I'll let Yolanda tell you what's on her heart and mind. So I'm confronted with the urge to call bullshit on myself and on this entire series. Or at least the so-called solutions we seem to be pointing to. A few podcasts ago, Ron said something along the lines of vacillating between thinking that one day things will change and in contrast thinking ultimately things will never change. Now, admittedly, the entirety of the theory of bullshit I'm about to speak on is particularly personal and basically inherent to my current state of mind and existence. But I wonder if it just may feel true to a great number of women out there. And speaking of being personal, one of the things I've always loved about the Radio Film School podcast is how Ron uses the personal to inform his message about the creative. Over the course of being a fan of the podcast and becoming an active participant, I've come to understand that inclination even more now. This whole series started with me calling bullshit on the theory that in order for women to be successful, they need to act and think like men. My counterargument at the time was that no, Women need to be themselves, but adopt some of the approaches men seem to employ that, for a whole set of reasons, don't otherwise come naturally to women. Namely, have, communicate, and exert supreme confidence. Speak with that confidence and with authority. Be direct in your communication. Say exactly what you believe, what you think, want, what you mean, and nothing more or less. Don't caveat or hedge yourself. Don't apologize simply for the act of speaking or communicating, nor for the content of that communication. If you're a woman listening to this, you likely realize how women start far too many conversations with some form of apology, be it, sorry to interrupt, or I know you must be busy, but, or would you mind, 
and any variation of that, even when they're directing the communication to a subordinate whose job it is to do their bidding. Next, demand the things that it is within your authority to do so. Yes, demand. How odd that even saying that word seems too strong in reference to a woman doing it or using it. If you imagine in your mind a situation with a woman making demands, you almost want to say, well, maybe not demand, but request clearly and firmly. Women who demand things are generally bitches or problems. And that goes to the highest reaches of our land, especially when women are asking for or putting themselves forward for more authority. Whereas if we're talking about a man making demands, it typically is perceived as indicative of leadership. Next, highlight and publicize your accomplishments. And when it comes to compensation, do your homework and settle for nothing less than what you're worth in reference to the job you're doing. And be willing to walk away if the employer doesn't meet that mark. These are the things men do. These are the things men expect to do without even thinking about it, to the extent these things barely cross their conscious thought. No one has to tell or remind or coach men to do these things. Almost two years ago, I started on a journey. There was a moment in November 2014 that something clicked. It was an inciting incident, and it sent me on a path. I didn't know where that path would lead, but I knew I needed to take it. And at the time, my goal was not to act like a man. But leading up to it, and in the time since, I started taking ownership of myself. I started doing the things I just outlined. It felt good. It felt right, and I reveled in the feeling that I'd somehow stumbled towards some wisdom and enlightenment that it had taken me years to discover, and that was going to lead me to some promised land that I hadn't yet found. I said on numerous occasions to friends and others that I felt I was literally being led by God. I started paying attention to my language when I spoke and when I wrote. I made sure not to undercut myself by prefacing everything I communicated with either an apology or some cleverly veiled plea for the recipient to take time to listen to what I was about to say or read what I had written. I started promoting myself within my industry in certain ways, highlighting my accomplishments. Now, aside from the stupid pattern we women frequently take of hedging our language, I've essentially always spoken with confidence and authority, especially when it pertains to my usual work in physical production, so I was pretty much always okay there. And I started communicating my needs in what I deemed to be mutually fair terms for compensation. And last but not least, I began pursuing some creative passions. To what result all this nearly two years later? Well, I'm still traveling down that road, and it must be an endless winding highway because I seem never to be able to see up ahead and to see what destination I'll end up at. But in this moment, Having done all of the above, it's not looking or feeling like I've been successful. In fact, in this moment, it's looking and feeling quite the opposite. Without falling down the rabbit hole of details, suffice it to say that I find myself in a position of setback. Somehow, all this wisdom and feeling I'd found the right answers and found my true self and true essence took a turn downhill. And I've heard hints and snippets of the same in some of the stories we've covered in the series. 
I've heard it in other podcasts on the topic I've listened to recently. What is it, you ask? That in fact, when women act and behave like men, it is actually counterproductive. This potential conclusion is enormously deflating and discouraging. So what then is the real answer? Honestly, I'm really at a loss on that right now. Ron and I really wanted this series to be a beacon for highlighting the problem and finding and messaging solutions. I really hope it still will be, for my own sake and for others. Women in whatever walk of life have so much to contribute, yet face so many barriers. I couldn't keep myself from sharing this because it's burning inside me daily. It influences my soul and how I manifest my daily and life purpose. It challenges me and what I believe in, and it makes me call so much into question. I had to get it off my chest, and I also wonder how many of you out there listening to the sound of my voice feel the same. How many of you have played the game and acted like a man only to have it work against you? As we look for solutions, I genuinely want to know what has and hasn't worked for you, and we'd love to give you the space to share your story. Feel free to do so anonymously if you so choose. You can email radiofilmschool at daredreamer.fm and write us your story. Or if you're so inclined, send us a voice memo to that address or leave a voicemail at the bottom of any daredreamer.fm page. In the meantime, thanks for listening. You're listening to Dare Dreamer FM, the sound of creative expression. Hmm? Ah! Oh. Christine and I first worked together years ago when I was at Alcon Entertainment. Christine and I worked together years ago when I was at Alcon Entertainment, heading up physical... <laughs> okay, one more time. This is the money.